Welcome back to the UD football show. Yes, not uh, football. Go. Football. Football. It's important to make that distinction. So, um, you know, for the 17 people that listen to this, um, and I bet you there's going to be eventually people who find this through podcast <laughs> searches and somehow are like, what is this? Um, so we're going to talk, we're going to switch up the order a little bit. Um, instead of going over the news first, we're going to start by going through the fantasy information, go through our leagues, kind of make fun of some people, call out others. There's a really good matchup this week between Andre and Josh, actually. So we should get oh, into no. that and see what you can think about your teams. Yeah. So let's start first and let's just like go through some of the some of the last week performances. So highest scoring team in the top flight was Andre again with 47 points versus Jack. Harry let's Maguire go. over Messi probably were punished for that team name, to be honest. Um, and the championship, Dean's Beans. In honor of Dean Day, got 54 points versus Berm. Congrats, Dean. Lowest scoring teams, Conte's hair plugs. Jared, 21 versus myself. Oh, Conte. He's going to need more hair plugs after this last match. Uh, Kristen FC in the championship got 16 points versus Chloe Saka Ball. Um, that, that's that's a team name. I didn't really realize what that pun was until I said it at one point. Um, big fan. So game week MVPs for game week two. Jesus. What a perform! That may be one of the most dominant Arsenal performances I've seen in a long time. Gamby, some people might call them a top two team in the Premier League. Uh, some look, people may have said that. Gabriel Jesus and just the flick that he was able to create in really tight space because they were working that triangle if we are facing the goal on the left side. And it was him. It was Marnelli. God, it was someone else. I think a midfielder, maybe Xhaka. Anyways, this little triangle they worked. There was no angle. There was nothing. And just being able yeah. to lift it over a keeper who doesn't have a lot of Premier League experience is the type of thing. And we talked about this with Sterling a little bit last week. These former city players that now come into sides that maybe couldn't finish previously or someone of that caliber, just having the feel for it and spacing and knowing when you have a lane that others might not take advantage of. He had he made such a difference, obviously, in that first week and then even more in week two. And uh, it is along with the docu-series out right now, it's a great time to be an Arsenal fan, probably. It is interesting, too, the that point you bring up about City players leaving City, going to other teams. It shows how much they improved at City individually. You know, Guardiola is not only building a team over there, he's improving them individually, and you see it when they leave, like Sterling's left. And he's, whenever he gets the ball for Chelsea, you can just tell he's a different caliber player. And the same thing happens with Jesus. Like, you see him running around with Arsenal, and he's just a different caliber. He's that next step above everyone else on that team. And he's improved that team so much. And Zinchenko, too, in terms of mm -hmm. if ever Jesus is going to drift outside to that left wing. I know he played a lot of right wing at City yeah. as well. But they even have, you know, that camaraderie, that unison. And that front three and even front four, if you're going to throw Odegaard out there, it is really tantalizing every single week what Arsenal can put out. It's, it's, it's really exciting to watch. Yeah. yeah, my big question with Arsenal will be consistency. You know, we saw a great stretch from them last season and then people kind of figured them out. I do think it's different this year with Zinchenko and Jesus now up top, but, you know, consistency is really a thing. They're a new young team. And I think that's the big question mark here. Here's my question with them. If we can already poke holes in what is a beautiful picture at the moment for Arsenal. Uh, what if they have an injury to either... Jaka or Partey because I think in the middle of the pitch with those two eights if you want to call them two sixes at times as well then 
that can be their downfall. I mean, can you throw El Nini out there where they move Zinchenko to the middle of the pitch? You know, like if you look at weaknesses, that's probably their biggest one at the moment because they're loaded at center back yeah. too. I think, you know, you still have to think that Smith Rowe has to come back in. So yeah. if there is an injury, let's say to Partey or to Chaka, you have Smith Rowe who can come in who's not the same defensive-minded player like them, but he can do a job in there. Um, yeah. And we have seen last season, Smith Rowe comes into that team and he's just an added threat. Him and Odegaard, Connecting in the middle is, is, is scary to watch. Yeah. I, I will say from a fantasy perspective, I think Shaka is a little bit of a trap. Like I do like that he's pushing forward more because right. Zinchenko and the wing backs allow him to, and not to mention with Zinchenko, I think another thing to be, to pay attention to is that Tomiyasu is when he comes back, what are they going to do there? They could rotate. There could be matches where Tomiyasu makes sense. Um, that's if they could put him on the right side too with Ben White and, too. and obviously Tierney's still there on the left side. Yeah, they, they just have a bunch of pieces. I'm with you on on Jaka as well because these early goals that defensive-minded midfielder score probably inflates their their scoring projection for a lot of people or their understanding mm -hmm. of that. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then we'll come back to Rodrigo. Rodrigo also an MVP, just crushing. Get at it. We'll come back to him. Insane. <laughs> Brandon, didn't he pick him? Didn't Brandon pick him up off waivers? I, Brandon just auto-drafted him. He didn't even pick him. Let's yeah, be real. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he didn't know who he was. Um, and then we have the Brighton back. defense. Oh, True no, the pick, back. the pick, if we can rewind, it was for a bit. It was the Rodri Rodrigo turn that Brandon oh, took. Yeah. So he drafted him for a bit. And now he's the number one <laughs> scoring player in the league. Ridiculous. <laughs> that's this is exactly what happens to brandon this is how it and then he says it's all scaling up he'll, he'll come to us comes and says it's all skill um the brighton defense looking incredible um it really doesn't matter who you have between don Veltman or anyone there they're all just oh man brighton looks really good i'm i'm hyped on them um quickly on yeah. brighton it truly is amazing that they can sell eve basuma they can sell marco cucurella and still continue to have this this team and how they yeah. can sell them for 30 to 60 million and then bring in a replacement for 25. Right now they're the team that you want pieces of because I'm sure there's a lot of them out there. And uh, they're also one that seems to have taken the jump, taken the leap with Denny Welbeck up yeah. front too. Are they signing a striker? I don't think, I, so. I don't I think, think so. they're rolling with Welbeck. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought I'd seen that they were bringing someone in. Um, Left back relatively soon okay yeah, i think i think from peru yeah. or colombia or something like that yeah sure. welbeck's been good i like welbeck I, i'm a big fan of him and i think actually mopai leaving is actually good for welbeck very very good i wish i'd gotten welbeck i know i had him as top waiver last week but man with mopai leaving i uh, and grand potter may be one of the best coaches in the league right now honestly i think everyone best. wants him as the england manager over over what they currently have I, I, yeah, I would have. I would hope so. Um, LVPs, we've got two fun Aston Villa players. Coutinho again, just looks invisible on the pitch. We'll get into that probably in the Villa <laughs> minute. Then Lucas Digne, also just delivering. Apparently, I've learned this year that he's a total fantasy meme. Um, he always gets you negatives, and showed it again to this last weekend with the own goal. Okay, um, we need to talk about this real quick, if you don't mind, because <laughs> what a letdown for my boy Luca Dean. Sometimes. Even when your team loses, you lose individually. So that was obviously the first game of the weekend. I'll pull it up here. And I had a four-point lead over Brandon, or what would have been a four-point lead and a victory this past weekend. It goes from six points from Luca Dean after Villa goes two up. And then in a matter of 90 seconds, an own goal gives him a negative one output, and I lose by, what, two to three points to Brandon on the weekend. So literally – 
<laughs> the only healthy player on Aston Villa that's left on my roster forces me into a loss. How how can this happen? When you win, you also lose, guys. Even when Aston Villa is delivering you a win, they still deliver your pain. It is so appropriate. It's crazy. Um, so let's go through the quick stories, the storylines in the top flight in the championship. Um, and then I want both of you to talk about who you think is going to win between each other. Then let's go through really quick a few of the top players in the league so far from a fantasy perspective. So Andre and myself sit atop the championship table, 2-0, Two weeks only ones. Um, some may say there's a sibling collusion there. Um, Brandon <laughs> is in third somehow. I don't know how this happened, but he has Rodrigo and is in third now. Jerry and I Jack do. are in the... I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Josh delivered him a win with Dean, but you know, Jared and Jack in the relegation zone, only ones with no wins yet. Um, Andre and Josh play each other this week. Battle is going to be very feisty. We'll get into that in a second. In the championship, Dean, Max, and Robbie all are on top with two wins so far. What's wild is Eric is in fourth with 101 points, which is good wow. for second in the league. Pretty unlucky. Actually, all the points in that second division are insane. They're so much higher than the first division. It's not close. Um, at the bottom are Berm, who, funny enough, his team name is Berm, but his name is Sam. So his team and name, just like <laughs> Sam Berm on the page. <laughs> and it's really funny to me. Um, Scott and Garrett also have zero wins to their name so far. So they got to pick it up. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be starting, starting to ask questions of their squad here. So looking at the matchup, though, how, how are you both feeling this week? Let's talk. Let's start with Josh. How are you feeling about your team? OK, this is what we should do. I think. I should give one compliment to Andre's team and he should give one compliment to my team. Okay. Because at least right now, who knows how Andre is going to fix his starting 11 here this weekend. But right now up front, you have Jesus who last weekend put up 19 freaking points, (laughs) 19 freaking points. Now you have some issues here because Patrick Bamford, I I believe is the only other striker is Jota a, a striker or is that it? It's just those. Is it those he, three? I think Jota is one of my strikers. Okay. Um, yep. But and I, he's a part time player. Out still. I think he's right. out still. Right. So you only have one striker that's healthy. Now, it helps <laughs> sure. that he scores 19 points and is a god at the moment. Um, <laughs> your, your midfield also has one single god, and the rest are incredibly <laughs> average. In KDB, Ruben Neves, Andreas Pereira, who's actually your second scorer of that group, and yeah. Thomas Suchek. So you have a two-person team my my team and 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 i was talking to gamby about this as well uh over the weekend my team on and i think this is why i'm going to go far here and i might have just you know given myself the kiss of death but my team on a very bad week needs just two performers to do well as we saw this past weekend on a weekend where things go well for me you know if Everton keeps a clean sheet. You get the points for Cody. If Arsenal keep a clean sheet, Ives and Chenko and Ram still get any points there. On a good week, my team can score a lot. On a bad week where KDB and Gabriel Jesus don't do anything, I'm right. in a lot of trouble. Um, moving into your team, though, Josh, oh. I, I am afraid. I am afraid of, of what I'm coming against here. Mine is so different than yours because mine is well-rounded. I was going to say, you have such a balanced team. You have Madison, you have Martinelli, you have Nate. Like, you have Kane up top. Ivan Tony. You have a really balanced team. Vardy's been a little bit disappointing this season. I don't expect him to do anything too insane. Um, but your team is super balanced. And you look at the matchups coming up. Kane could get some goals against Wolves, who would just like to sit back. So they're going to invite that pressure. 
uh, Lester are going to be looking to bounce back. So Madison Barty might be connecting. Um, and then Brentford plays against Fulham. So there's going to be goals in that game. So I think if there's a loss coming for me, it's probably this weekend against you. I hope I'm wrong. But your team is just so balanced. It's it's hard to compete with you when you have several really good performers on a day. One final note about your team. I said that about Jesus, and obviously Zinchenko can put up assists or even goals out of that left-back spot. Um, but I'm facing you when Arsenal, even coming off of a 19-point Jesus outcome, is facing Bournemouth. You know, And yeah. then you get Fulham after that. Then you get Villa's back line, too. Yeah. What a start for Arsenal in terms of their top five, and you have, again, two of their premier players. Amazing. Definitely. And on top of that, you have KDB, who's just tearing it apart right now, him and the Holland yeah. connection. And, and they're playing against Newcastle, who aren't notoriously great at defense. So hopefully if they can put up some goals there, if Arsenal can put up some more goals, I'm just going to be riding this Gabriel Jesus and uh, KDB wave as long as I possibly can. You know, if, if Arsenal do keep a clean sheet over the weekend, you have Zinchenko, or I have Zinchenko, I have Ramsdale as well. We'll just pack on the extra points as well there. So it's going to be an interesting, yeah. uh, interesting matchup for sure. But I, I do both. think I do think Josh has the edge with, with the balance of his team. Both people need to make changes. I mean, oh, Josh has I, to sub out Diego Carlos. Um, and you've yeah. got Bailey as well, who's close to useless at this point. Um, you know, is this going to be a tough matchup? Because everyone has good opponents. Ivan, Tony, and Kane, and even Vardy against Southampton have very good matchups. And a lot of these, you both of you have stacks. So it's just going to come down to you rooting for the games of the teams you have. If, you know, if... If Brentford has a good match, if Kane has a good match, and if Leicester have a good match, Josh has the edge. If Arsenal has a good match, Andre has the edge with Zinchenko and Ramsdale yeah. and Jesus, and even Smith Rowe, who may start because he's healthy now. So it's going to be close. I, I think I I think I would give Set the, the line, Gamby. To... Set the line. Oh, yeah. I think it's actually close. I think it's close. I would say Let's it's... get Lars to set the line. <laughs> See, we should get Lars to set the line. I would give the edge to Josh on the well-roundedness of it. I think Andre is a little boomer bust, but I think it's very, very close just because of the matchups. All of your players have good matchups. It looks Here, like here's Smith Rowe's back as well, so I might throw him in if Bamford doesn't play. Yeah, just you, have five in the middle. you have like three injuries. Just you three. have to play him. No, 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 Here, because Bamford's a 75% chance. Here's the line, <laughs> well, the, the, the lesson I've learned after you know, a long two weeks of playing FPL for the first time ever. Um, if you don't have a stable defense, it's frustrating every single week. Like my defensive grouping has been horrific. And at most I'm getting ones and twos out of them and Dina and James Justin and Tyreek Mitchell. And now I've got to find a new center back and Ryan Sessignon, like having people who can put up points. And I think I understand why people go after the clean sheets and chase them so much because the man cities, the Liverpool's of the world. And that was the first comment I got back when putting out my team. And I just didn't prioritize that because I expected people to put up assists and really the most important thing are not letting in goals and not making mistakes with your back line. Yeah. And here's what I will say huge, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I love that. I went Cancelo, Reese James, Dunk, and Rico Henry at the back. And that's, you know, really helping me out a lot. And I will say that when you look at who is available out there, there are still so many good defenders. I mean, if I were people, I'd be targeting Brentford. I'd be targeting Brighton. And also, I think a tip that I've really learned is when you're targeting players, especially for streams, 
really pay attention to the matchups. You want to target people who have good long strings. So like you look at Brighton and you look at Brentford, they both have really good matchups coming up. And those are the teams you want to start to look at. If you look at Newcastle, there might be something there and there might be someone good, but their matchups for the next you know three weeks are actually kind of tough. Um, so that's definitely something you want to consider when looking at defenses. Um, and a lot how many of, proposed I mean, Brian, waivers do you have, Gamby, right now? Let's play right, this game. Right now, you don't tell me which I've, ones, but how many do you proposed ones do you? I've got three, and I may add two. Yeah, I've got five right now. I have none. That's I'm right. You I'm, have I'm five, writing my team. You have four injuries. You have four injuries. You need to make subs. <laughs> What's wrong have, with you? I have two. I'm writing this team right now. This is what I, I did really last hope. season. It didn't work for me. I'm going to bring I really in. I, I think either Bamford or Andreas Pereira uh, will okay. play. So I'm bringing a Smith Rowe. I'll, I'll do a 4-5-1 if I have to and just this, ride this Jesus. Not, this is not what you did last year because last year you started at the bottom of the table and yeah. you lucked into Ronaldo and Lukaku <laughs> in the first two weeks. So you did not ride your team. You lucked into the two best forwards and still finished last place. I finished second to last. Shout out to Trevor. <laughs> Shout out to Trevor who finished last and isn't in the league anymore. <laughs> he, got, he actually went bankrupt. Yeah, he the squad went under. <laughs> um cool do we want to go through really quickly the best available players in our league at least um uh, and just sort of I, I, w- I would love to go through just the top scorers in general we kind of talked yes, in about general. yeah we, we kind of talked about rodrigo and yes. he's literally a meme a bit pick by brandon yet is the <laughs> leading points getter at 22 this was the other part the other reason that brandon beat me was because rodrigo selfishly took away a goal from his he teammate did. the ball was going in He's standing at the goal line, the line and just touches it in with his head and then celebrates in the corner like, oh, me and you and Brandon. Yeah, we win. We beat Josh. There's absolutely no reason, you selfish, selfish human being. Josh is triggered by that Rodrigo pick. Man, just just wait till Zinchenko steals one off of Jesus and that ends up being an assist from Jesus. And no, my guy Martinelli, he, he, gets, he gets two points instead of six points. Because Zinchenko's at go. the back post. <laughs> oh, I can't um, wait I, let's, to see it. We can skip. So we can skip Jesus and De Bruyne here. Um, the other people that are the highest scorers are Fabian Schar on Newcastle for defense. Yeah. Um, and Pascal Roche, who is like Pascal really Roche. getting into pockets. Like he is really attacking forward out of this midfield spot. You know, I think because they're tr- still trying to reload Brighton, they're putting Trossard and they're putting a couple wingers back at wing backs and Grosh is the one who is like finding these pockets and getting forward and putting in balls or, or, or scoring on his own. And it's, it's, it's one to watch. And he's obviously been picked up by Easty in our league. Yeah. And then I, I love five man Grosh and I really do actually believe he's the real deal. Um, then we have like the obvious Cancelo. We've got Holland. Um, Ivan Tony on forward. Yeah. What a season. <laughs> Insane. I have him in my salary cap side of things and I love him. Um, I can't believe how good Ivan Tony has been. And he's been a big, I will say though, in general, you, you'll see a lot of Brentford people towards the top on our league. You see Jensen, you see Ben Mee, uh, Josh Da Silva, a lot of Brentford people are going to be towards the top. And that's, you've, I think you got to take it with a little bit of grain of salt. I'm very high on Brentford because of their upcoming fixtures. They got Fulham, Everton, Crystal Palace, Leeds, Southampton, Arsenal, Bournemouth, Newcastle, Brighton, a huge, great run of form. So like I would take a risk on them. But I will say they're a little over bright, like they're a little higher a right now because pieces. of that United game. But I think yes. Tony's going to be a key piece for them and Buemo's going to be a key, key, 
key piece for them. I think they have a few more. Um, yeah. The other name that sticks out to me, I had no idea how penalty, penalty saves give you so many points because Jose mm-hmm. Saw is up there, the Wolves keeper, yeah. with two points in week one. Then against Fulham, a nil-nil draw, he gets 15 points and it's a clean sheet and the penalty save. And I think that's it. I mean, yeah. I, I had Henderson for Nottingham Forest. He was on my bench. He got 14 points because he saved the penalty, yeah. had several other saves in the most lucky win of their lives. Um, but going back to Brentford, I, regardless of who their opponents are, their style of play allows them to get so many points. Like, you know that no matter who, against, who they're against, they're going to play in a, an attacking, attractive style of play. And that's why people like Ben Mee even get points because they're up there. They're still getting shots on target, whether it's from corners, free kicks. They're all involved in the play. And, and players like Tony and, and Mbuemo are just great pickups yeah. because of how they play. Regardless yeah. of who they're person, against, they, they usually will get a goal. One person to watch on Brentford that is in the line, is in there. I'm not picking him up, but I'm going to put this out there for other people. Maybe it'll help. Maybe it'll be a rush to get him. Um, Damsgaard was signed. Um, and someone to pay attention to. I don't think he's starting this week, but someone to watch that could become a very important um, key player on that Brentford midfield. Left winger, right? Uh, Dabsgar is a middle midfielder. Okay. So he kind of, I think he's going to play more in the center. Um, Again, anyways, though, he's, he's coming from, is it, is it Italy or is it Germany? I believe it's Dabsgar? Yeah, I think it's Italy. I'm not 100% sure on, on him. Um one last cool. thing so I it, mentioned was, was Kulishevsky as well, because I think yes. as soon as Tottenham signed Richarlison, everyone just thought like the front three was going mm-hmm. to be Kane, Son, and, and Richarlison. And it's not. I mean, Kulishevsky right now, the way he not only presses and attacks, also travels with the ball and, again, is finding these pockets with the other two, arguably their best player right now, just how he started yeah. these first two weeks of the season. And I don't see that slowing down against Wolves. Nottingham Forest and West Ham, who West Ham does not look anywhere close to what they did in, in the last couple of seasons right now. One person that's going to be, if they're become available, say in the championship and whoever has them, you know, don't drop is uh, Ivan Perisic as well to watch. He came on, had an assist, was only on for 11 minutes. And if you look at his touch map, he literally only played in like the attacking end. That was ever, he's not a defender. He's a midfielder. He is so mispositioned in FPL he could break the game if he gets, starts to get starts. And of course, and, Brandon has him, but of course, and he takes their corners, which, which always helps yes. with, with a lot of these for, yes. for obviously set pieces. Yes. He gets this too on any of those. Yeah. Cool. So I think we went through a lot of fantasy stuff. Hopefully that was a little more relevant, I think this week, um, but let's move into the Villa minute. Oh. Josh Norris. You get to talk about, hey, you know, they, they won, but they, they also did. broke his heart in fantasy. So <laughs> let's get the clock up here. Let's get the stopwatch ready to go. And oh, we also need to play the chant. We're going to do a Villa chant every week. So got to give a break for the chant. Josh, you have 60 seconds. Go. Aston Villa two, Everton one. So, Aston Villa, after just the worst possible start against Bournemouth, who will be relegated from the Premier League, go out there 2-0 up after 82 minutes, and then it all falls apart. Um, Again, an own goal after 90 seconds, and because they are 
crazily defending their goal, which throwing on center backs, they lose one of their premier signings in the summer in Diego Carlos from Sevilla, 29 years old, already a co-captain of the team. But because they couldn't just hold the fort like a normal team for the final 10 minutes, he is lost for the season with an Achilles tear. So while Villa want to move up from 14 and get into the top eight, literally the only change from last season is now Bubakar Kamara. And that is it. And they have not fixed their starting front in terms of how they attack and how it flows. And Kamara is the only good thing about Aston Villa right now, other than Emi Buendia probably replacing Philippe Coutinho this weekend against Zach Powell's Crystal Palace. You know, I will say, Villa, you know, I don't think they look like the 19th worst team anymore. They're more like the 16th or 17th or 18th. You know, yeah, I mean, like it's they, inevitable they're, they're, they now. moved up. It's inevitable of they still have no flow. They don't know how to get the ball from their back end up to their attackers because they decide to use midfielders as wingbacks and then the fullbacks as wingers. And the whole part was supposed to get Kamara and Diego Carlos to spray passes out to the wings. And now they don't have one of those pieces. It, uh, it is not flowing. It is not beautiful. There's a lot of work to do while everything is going on. And I, I don't think Villa being the 16th worst team on the move up now is of their own doing. I think it's because other teams have been performing so terribly that they're the ones that are dropping and just naturally have to kick Villa up. But Villa don't have the connection. They don't have the flow, like Josh was saying. They just look kind of like a broken team right now. They, they, they haven't can only found counter. that click yet. Exactly. They can only counter. They cannot mm-hmm. build up. There's nothing creative in the final. And Emmy's going to help that. Emmy Buendia will help that. But Philippe Coutinho just kind of gets lost in these moments and He's also yeah. become one of those players who goes out in the 59th minute and doesn't stay on for the mm-hmm. full 90. And that hurts in fantasy as well. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's jump into the banter hour and a little bit of news. Um, I know we're kind of up on getting up on time. So we'll want to run through these little bits that we give Andre the parlay man time to ramble at the end here. I think one of my favorite pieces of news this, this week is look, we can talk about United all day and how bad they are. I, I think you can listen to any other podcast and hear ad nauseum how bad they are and what's wrong. But my favorite piece of news was that after they lost to Brentford, Ten Hag, Ten Hag canceled the day off that they were supposed to have, rightfully so, makes sense to cancel a day off. But then they show up to practice. Imagine they get in, I think they got in like 11, 12 p.m. They have to be at practice like 7 a.m. They show up at practice and Ten Hag's like, you know what you guys are gonna do today? As a professional football club, you're going to run the distance difference between you and Brentford yesterday. It's like, a, it's like a traveling team thing. It's nuts. So I, I want to get Andre's opinion, especially having played D1, you know, soccer and everything and being captain. Like, what would you think of a coach that does that to you? That you show up as a professional footballer and you're told just run. There was no ball, nothing, just run the difference in distance. I mean, he, he's trying to make his statement. He's trying to assert, you know, it's just not going to fly. And, and rightfully so, like you said, their performance at, uh, at Brentford was just, we could go on for days talking about how terrible it was. I just don't know if this group of players will respond to that type of punishment. I'm not sure if the divas like Rashford and Ronaldo and Jaden Sancho and all them, if that's what is going to get them to start firing. I think, 
it's going to drive a divide between them and Ten Hog more than it's going to cause them to be like, let's go out and fight for the coach. I think it's still so early that they don't really have the respect for Ten Hog yet. And by him doing this, I think it's just going to cause a bigger divide between them. I think yeah. Ronaldo is definitely still going to be trying to look to leave. He's not going to be taking blame for anything that's happening. He's going to sit back and be like, I wanted to leave this team anyways. Like he's not going to care. And I just don't think it's the right group of players to punish in that kind of way. And I think we're going to see that against Liverpool this weekend. I think we're still going to see a very disconnected team. Josh, yeah. I, I want to get your opinion as well. So I think it was four nil down after 35 minutes against Brentford. And Brentford's very good and they were very yeah, critical yeah. in their finishes. It goes back to the root of this issue, right? Where they have basically brought no one of substance in despite having an ability to since what it was named on March that Eric Ten Hag was going to be the manager. They could have easily gone out and get Bubukar Kamara, maybe a Moise Saicedo, but instead they're just like searching for these massive names like yep. Casemiro, like Frankie Diong. And it's like if they don't get the name brand where they double their wages, even they're coming from Real Madrid, then they feel like it's not a jump up when they just aren't run properly from, from start to finish. And it's just shocking to me how you have those names up top, like you listed along with Bruno Fernandez in the middle, and you can't even hold on to the ball or, or when you lose it in midfield. And as soon as you lose it in midfield, it's over. And it's just hilarious to me, Gamby, where you have a five, nine center back in the Sandra Martinez as the headline signing this off season. And even on some psychological level, the other team knows that when these set pieces come up or a ball gets put into a box for Ben Mee, that, oh, their other center back next to Harry Maguire is five foot nine, and we're just going to have an advantage in that territory. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, going, going I think I, I have a few things to say on this. I think one is I heard on another podcast that I was listening to, and I think it makes a lot of sense, is that that move from Ten Hog to run them feels desperate this early in the season. It feels like a very desperate and out of options move. And honestly, it felt like that in the match. You, when you're down 4-0, I remember I was at the office watching and I told people there, the second half was worse than the first. You didn't give up any goals, but there was no fight. There was no response. There was nothing. They actually got dominated more than they did in the first half. They didn't make mistakes, but they didn't have the ball. That to me is Ten Hag does not have control of the team, does not have the ear of the team. They did not respond to whatever he said. If I'm any coach, that team is coming out in the second half and they're showing me that they've got to fight. Because if you don't, that's even worse than going down 4-0 in the first, I think. I'm also questioning Ten Hag's tactics a little bit and what he's mm -hmm. trying to do with the team and how he's building this team yeah. to play. In that second goal where De Gea passes it out to Erickson, they had this shape where it was the two outside backs are so spread open. And then Erickson's checking in from the middle. He's got a guy clearly stuck on his back. De Gea still plays the ball to him, which is something that Ten Hag said is something they want to do. Um, and obviously he turns the ball over right there. There's no support, turns it over. And like you said, Josh, clinical with the finish. But if you go back and you watch that game, I watched the game over. And on multiple occasions, they're doing that same shape where it's two players spread out wide. One guy's checking through the middle and they create this triangle but they're feeding the ball into the guy checking in with a guy on his, on, on his back, just pressed up against him and they lose it right there. And it turns into this big counter situation where in this, it, like in the situation where McGuire made that tackle at the end or in the beginning of the game, probably could have gotten a red card from it. It's that same exact shape that they're, that 10 hog wants them to play. 
but it's just not working out. And now there's reports coming out from the locker room that the players are frustrated because Ten Hag isn't playing to their strengths and all this stuff. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see the response from the players. I do agree with you, Gamby, in saying that it's a little bit desperate because if you fast forward to halfway through the season and if things still aren't picking up, what's going to be the punishment at that point? Because now two games in, you've already punished them with running. You've already punished them like on a big scale, like just taking away a, a day off. What What's the next punishment that you can do from here? You know? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I think United just need a full rebuild. I think if Ten Hag's your guy, you got to go the Arteta route too and just back the manager and say, listen, if you want people out, come out. Josh, do you think it's the right thing though for him just to be picking from the players that he had at Ajax? Because it sounds like they're going to go back in for Anthony. They already signed, again, Lissandro Martinez, who is a five foot nine center back. Literally <laughs> looks like in football manager when maybe you find a guy with 20 jumping reach, but he's five foot nine. And it doesn't matter. It does in real life. It 100% does. Not to mention, Brentford are so good at set pieces. This is known. They are known to be good at set pieces. And you put, you play, you start Lissandro Martinez right. at 5'9. And he, of course, gets beat on set pieces. It's just, it was shocking tactics. And I mean, I think ultimately what that tells me about the whole going after Ajax or people who have worked with Ten Hag before is the scouting team is horrific. I mean, when you're talking about them just like throwing money at Casemiro, throwing money at Joao Felix. They, don't have, they have no idea what they're doing. Like, they don't know. They don't have a plan right now. And I don't know if you listened to Thomas Frank's interview after the game, but he explicitly said they targeted Lissandro Martinez because yeah. they knew that with the press, with the strength and the size of their team, that that's where they could damage United. And that's exactly what they did. He was completely correct on his tactics, knew where to go, knew where the cracks were in United's defense and just right. Brentford just executed to perfection. Cause if Brentford has that front too, and if you play a long ball, so Tony and Martinez were isolated, he can either chest it down or head it yeah. on off to Mbomo, who then has more speed than Harry Maguire. And then boom, it's exactly. over. like, that's exactly the type of attack or counter attack. Or again, if you're up one, two, three, and then playing it out from there, that you needed to do and, and the personnel in Brentford's favor and the game plan and the tactics were just so, so much better. I would like to go off our agenda a little bit if possible here and, and, and introduce a new to uh, topic because, okay. and, and I know we have it maybe listed for a little bit later, but breaking off from United into Liverpool and then playing this weekend, where do we see those matchups going? Because I said it last week, Liverpool just look weak when they put out that starting 11 the it's not scary they 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 haven't lost a lot of players but it seems like they just don't have a team to compete right now so my input on this would be at least because of darwin nunez's suspension they will have to play a certain way and they will practice that one way because nunez as we talked about is so opposite of firmino where the latter will drop deeper, collect the ball, then spray it forward. Whereas Nunez wants to be that last, like that last runner along the defense. And so either this week, I'm assuming they'll stick with Firmino and try to play that false nine with Diaz and Salah as, you know, the main targets and the main outlets. But maybe you can pull Harry Maguire in that instance and get the other ones forward or, or one or the other. But I, I don't want to say losing Nunez makes them better, but at least it might make them a little more refined with their game plan heading into the week while it's still early parts of the season. Here's, here's the only thing I'll say on this. United, Liverpool have United's number. 
by quite a bit. The last time they played in the league was April 19th. Liverpool won 4-0. October 24th, 2021, Liverpool wins 5-0. Liverpool are just such a better squad. May 13th, 4-2. United got a shock win January 24th, 2021, 3-2. Um, then they drew Liverpool 2-0, 1 1-1, 0-0, 3-1, 4-1 Liverpool. Like Liverpool have United's number for a while now. I really think this is going to be a thrashing. I don't see United fixing their defense between last game and this game. And even though I know Liverpool, you say, don't look scary. They're third in expected goals. They're sixth in creating chances. They are very dangerous. So I, I think Liverpool is going to absolutely trash destroy. Yeah. I think it, I think they're going to trash United. I think it's another three or four nil incoming. I, I think I'm, it was also an issue for Liverpool to play. Was it, it wasn't Nico Williams? Who was the, no, Nat Phillips. It was Nat Phillips, oh, the center back over Joe Gomez. And like Joe Gomez just signed a new extension this offseason, and then they flipped that and were much better. And that Lewis Diaz goal was was really something special down in there. Yeah. I I'm gonna go on a limb and I'm gonna take the other side. And I think that those results that you read, Gamby, were just a different Liverpool team. Mo doesn't look threatening right now. Luis Diaz is the only one carrying this team. Tiago's out, their midfield lacks creativity. They lack substitutes. They can't bring in. They, they, they were tying 1-1 and they had no attacking players to bring on. I'm going to go out and say that this game is going to be easier for United to tie or win than it will be for Liverpool to win. I think it's easier right now to defend Liverpool than it is for Liverpool to score. I think I will, Liverpool I have are to struggling to score right now. That's, I mean, that goes against everything that we see with the expected goals yeah. and chances created. But that being said, I will happily go place a over three and a half bet on Liverpool to win this match. Uh, uh, a little preview parlay. of the parlay, man, by the way. The draw was plus 335 between the two, and Man U outright plus 440. little preview from wow. A little preview. <laughs> and Andre thinks <laughs> and Andre thinks he can do that. I, w- I will happily uh, – Andre can go place a United over one and a half bet. I'll do Liverpool over three and a half bet. Um, I'm going to do that right now. And you know what? How I think we're running up on time, so I think – uh, let's jump into that's a perfect segue i think next week we want to go over i think predicting the relegation teams and also predicting who's going to finish top four i think we can push that to next week um right now let's let's jump into the parlay man rambles and andre give us give us how your weekend went because i have a feeling oh my god you and your bold predictions here aren't working out too well <laughs> all right let's cue the cue the clown music let's get started right the big story of the weekend for the Parley Man, Nottingham Forest. Uh, last week, I claimed that I don't know where they were going to get a win from, and about five days later, they go and get a win. Uh, so that my prediction didn't last very long. To be fair, I still stand by the bet fully. West Ham could have had four goals in that second half. They missed a penalty, two shots off the crossbar onto the line. Just outrageous luck. Uh, Henderson, 14 fantasy points. You know, that's the last time he'll ever do that. Um, but again, I stand by it. Nottingham Forest, worst team in the Premier League, first team to get relegated. No, worst no, team in the Premier. This is Nottingham Forest's world. We're just living in it right now. I have a stat for you, real quick, because since we didn't get to it, um, so the net spend of eighteen La Liga clubs, not including Real Madrid and Barcelona, this summer, four point seven million. Nottingham Forest net spend so far this summer, one hundred and forty-five million. And to that point, they just signed a new Morgan player. Gibbs White. Yep. Uh, gives White 44 and a half mil. So they're just spending money for fun. They're playing career mode. I'm calling it now. They're the first team to get relegated this season. <laughs> their defense, their defense. Over Bournemouth. Is, 
their defense is absolutely shocking. It's so bad. They are going to concede goals. Forest stays like, up. No way. Not a chance. Forest stays up. <laughs> the bet of the weekend is Manchester United uh, to draw or win the first half at minus 135. That's taking all my money. And on top of it, as a little honorable mention, Liverpool not being able to to win against Crystal Palace this weekend was just shocking. That, that was the that was the cherry on top of it all. I had one last parlay going that needed them to win, and they botched it. So I'm never going to bet again. This is the last parlay man segment. Gamby, so I, I is... had some bad ones too as well. As you know, we were in the office with Tom on Friday. Oh, yeah. I had that Watford versus Burnley, and then the goalie went absolutely insane. I had Leeds plus 220 or plus 210 to win. They went up 2-0 and then gave up ten, two goals in the final 10 minutes as well. Uh, it was just an awful weekend for me. The only thing that saved me, Gamby, was your sheet. That was it. Pick <laughs> a sheet. slip for the win. The sheet. I won. Brandon won money. A lot of people won money. I had, I won four slips. Here's So here's the parlay I'm placing, Andre. I'm going to do Liverpool money line, over three and a half goals in the match, and Salah to score two or more goals. It's ridiculous. It's <laughs> ridiculous. You're, you're, you're discrediting. Oh, what? Well, I'm discrediting the 20. You're discrediting United. I, against the team against that? against a team that's struggling to score they couldn't okay. beat fulham and they couldn't beat crystal palace you're you're over crediting a team that literally cannot keep the ball out of the net they're handing it to players they're asking teams to score on them De Gea look, is literally though, scooping it into the net if, if you look at <laughs> if you look at this past weekend right for united and this might be one of the last points on the call but if you look at the this past weekend the first two goals that United concede are complete and utter mistakes, goalkeeping mistakes, right? One, De Gea just scoops the ball into the net. That won't happen against Liverpool. Two, the pass that De Gea gives to Eriksen that just forces him to turn it over inside the box. That won't happen. At that point, United are now throwing numbers forward. Obviously, they concede a third. They concede a fourth. It, it goes to hell from there. But they're, they're not going to do that against Liverpool. Liverpool's struggling to score right now. They're not as dangerous their midfield's not as creative anymore Trent isn't looking the same as he always has they're just lacking some kind of firepower right now it's just yeah I and, okay the last point I'll make here is that it's just so categorically false <laughs> Liverpool are third in expected goals matched with your favorite Arsenal team by the way so they have the same amount of expected goals as Arsenal they've just been struggling to put things in and then you have United, who their expected goals against is the worst in the league. I, I just don't see United. I, I just don't see United turning this around right now I, against, against Liverpool. I get that Liverpool maybe isn't as good as they have been in the past. Um, it, it's just not. I, I don't. I don't. I can't see. I know we're trying to get out of here. Can we put yes. our brains together? Well, at least me and you, Gamby, and pick the, the underdog of the week because yes. I, I don't. The name. And this is maybe why I didn't want Andre a part of this. The one that pops to me, Forest plus 315 over Everton. I mean, I, to be fair, I, I will give that. I will give Forest a little bit of an edge there. Like they, Everton is shocking. They're they're one of my contenders to get relegated. They're shockingly bad. So maybe Forest can do something. My underdog of my underdog of the week is going to be. I'm just taking a look at this list real quick. I'm going to say Villa Brighton. over Palace. Don't do it. No, Brighton over West Ham plus two. I like that one too. Brighton over West Ham. Now you could say you, you could actually 
this is a crazy one, but I think one of the crazier ones in the argument world might be honestly Newcastle draw against City. They're at plus 410. Newcastle have actually been very good defensively. I could see them being kind of stuffy. And if you start Holland, this is the first time I think Holland's going to face a true defense that is going to be difficult to penetrate. News tactics for, for a city, you never know. If you want to go back to previous matchups there, the last two games between, <laughs> between City and Newcastle are 9-0 to zero in favor of, of City. So maybe if there's a 0-0, zero, zero, there's a chance. But Holland's going to be itching to get a goal. Holland's going to be itching to get a goal after not scoring in in their most recent joshing. This league's going to be over by March. City's City's running the league by March. Oh, yeah. Totally. It's over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The only thing that could change that is if Arsenal can beat City or kind of get an upset there against City. If City beat Arsenal, I think think this is over. Some might say top two Premier League team. Some may say. Some on this podcast may say. Well, there you (laughs) go. That is the show. Ran a little long, shorter. Hopefully it's fun. Was it short? Oh, I thought it ran longer. No, oh, yeah, no, you're no, right. You're right. I was going to say what? I, was like, I thought I was going. I thought I was going insane. We have people over here thinking United's going to beat Liverpool easily. We have like uh, so many crazy things today. But there you go. Hopefully you enjoyed it. To the 17 people that maybe listen to this, maybe it might honestly be more like 12. Uh, but I'm anticipating someone's going to search underdog. This is eventually going to show up, and people are going to be like, "What the hell? Underdog has a soccer show?" And then we're screwed, and we have to go to Tim. Be like, listen, Tim, we did a thing. We're so sorry, but it's real. Pay us. <laughs> well, there money. you go. Is that all I have to thanks do? For listening. Let's just go to Tim? Yeah, pretty much, Tim. Yeah, that's all we got to do. Well, thanks for listening. Catch you next time.